Hello, and welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. My name is Rachel, and I'm the marketing coordinator for Can Do MS. We're excited for today's podcast, where we have the chance to chat with Jack Osborne, creator of the You Don't Know Jack About MS web series. Jack is 33 years old and has been living with MS for six years. He'll be discussing his MS diagnosis and how he manages his health and wellness while living with MS. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. Hey, thanks for having me. I've watched a good chunk of the You Don't Know Jack about MS webisodes, including the most recent one, which is your five-year flashback. But to get started, I think it'd be great for people who haven't watched your webisodes to learn a bit more about your MS journey. With that in mind, could you tell us a little bit about your life before MS? What did it look like? What was important to you? Sure. So, I mean, life before MS was, I think I was a pretty uh, pretty carefree when it came to anything health-related. I had that, like, mid-20s attitude of, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm perfectly healthy. I always took pride that I was never on any kind of medication. Um, you know, I've been sober, like, let's see... I've been sober like nine nine years at that point, right up and you know, right when I got diagnosed. So like I, I felt like I got a handle on things. You know, I was relatively healthy. Um, I just you know, my wife at the time was was pregnant with our firstborn and, and things were I mean, I didn't really have to I think my biggest concern was like, Oh crap, I'm about to be a dad. Um Yeah. And then three weeks after my daughter Pearl was born um, I developed optic neuritis. Uh, I didn't know it was what it was at the time, but, um, went to the eye doctor, the eye doctor, I think knew what it was, but he wasn't a neurologist, so he couldn't kind of tell me. Um, so he sent me on to the hospital to have an MRI and then, you know, one thing leads to the next and there's, you know, spinal taps and more blood tests and all that. And, you know, I got the, got the news that, you know, You've got MS. And then I come to find out that about 18 months before the optic neuritis, I'd had a, a flare up thinking it was uh, like a pinched nerve in my back. My, my leg went numb for like three months. It was, you know, when you have the numb legs and losing the vision and, you know, and, the, and then with the MRI, I had like seven lesions. Um, you know, it all, it all, all, all signs pointed towards MS. Once you got that official diagnosis from your neurologist, how did MS change your life? Not just for you, but for your loved ones as well. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really tough thing to have to kind of process and digest at the moment. Cause I, you know, I was trying to, I was all happy about being a new father and, um, you know, starting this new chapter of my life. And it was accompanied by something that I really wasn't anticipating or expecting. Um, and so it took a bit for me to really wrap my head around kind of what had landed on me. Um, you know, I think I did the typical, like, you know, I, I mean, there was probably a couple weeks where I was kind of down in the dumps about it, but I kind of quickly pushed past it. Um, I yeah. didn't really want to, um, to kind of dwell in the negative very much just because I, I knew that didn't, that wouldn't serve me. Um, so once I kind of got educated as to really, you know, the landscape of the disease, what kind of treatments were out there and started working with my neurologist to get on a treatment plan like that worked for me as quick as possible. Um, things started feeling, you know, like I could handle this. And then obviously the more, 
you know, the more I got educated, the more my family got educated to it. And it was a really, um, it was a really kind of interesting transitional period in my life. One of the things that struck me about your five-year webisode was how you've managed to just surround yourself with people who support you. Can Do MS educates people on a team approach to managing all the different aspects of MS. How did you manage to build such an amazing team of friends, family, coworkers, and medical professionals that completely support you? I honestly think I'm just a really, really blessed and lucky person. I mean, I, I rely so much on my friendships. And, you know, my, my loved ones for support, it's just, you know, I'm a very social person. And so I get a lot of really, you know, I get, I get a lot of energy from being around the people I love and care about. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, you know, just through, you know, having, having worked in entertainment for long enough, you know, you kind of, you build up a, you know, it can go one of two ways. You can either get really jaded and really um, uh, kind of resistant to making friendships, or you can you know, build the skill, the skill set to really determine who your friends are and who they aren't. Um, yeah. And I think I was kind of more of the latter. And I, I, I was, um, you know, my, my friends are so important to me and I'm loved ones because it just, it's, it's everything, you know, someone, I've, you know, there's that saying, you are who you hang out with. And I like to mm-hmm. think that, you know, my, my friends kind of bring it, you know, my, my support around me and people I work with, they bring out the best in me. What advice would you give to people who don't feel like they have that support? We talk to a lot of people who don't feel like they have anyone they can rely on or don't know how to communicate to their partner that they need that support. Are there any steps or strategies that worked for you that you can share? You know, it's like I I'm I'm not I don't respond too well to like a gentle hand. Um I respond really well to like you know, I, I kind of subscribe to the tough love a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, and one of, one of my best friends in the world, he's a, you know, he was a, a combat wounded veteran and um, got retired out of the military. And he was one of the first people I called. I was like, dude, I can't see, I can't do all this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. And he just kind of told me like, listen, dude, you got to figure it out. You got to find a way to keep working. You've got a kid now. You've got all, you know, you've got all these responsibilities. Don't let it win you can find a way mm-hmm. to make this work with you. And mm-hmm. that was the kind of a, advice I needed. You know, my, my other friend I called and I was like, l- literally the day I got out of the hospital and I was still like in shell shock. I called him and I was like, John, like I'm in a bad way, dude. I got, I got MS. And he looked at me and he went, so <laughs> and I was like, really? He's <laughs> like, can you breathe? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you still sober? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you still got, you st- you know you st- have you lost anything i'm like not yet he's like cool you're good today you know yeah. and that's the kind yeah. of that's that's kind of my those are the kind of the people i surround myself with and i know some people will hear that and be like oh my god that's so harsh but like that's that's the kind of stuff i need now if someone calls me out of the blue and is like you know i get a lot of messages on instagram and social media with people asking for advice i'm certainly not that harsh um but, you know, I kind of tell people, like, in a, in a softer way, like, number one, it's going to be okay. And two, you just got to find your new baseline. And while we're kind of on the topic of support, um, 
in the five-year episode, you said one of your favorite episodes was going to support group. And I wanted to ask you about that because there's just so much stigma in our culture when it comes to admitting that you need help, especially for men. So why was that such a powerful moment for you? Man, it's tough because I still, I still don't necessarily like to ask for help. You know, that it's, you know, I was born in England. I lived there till I was 12. And, and I, I do contain a lot of the British sensibilities of like stiff upper lip. Um, but I know that I can, I can only do so much. And for me, you know, I had to rely on, you know, my, my family for support. And, you know, and, and I, they had to kind of understand that, you know, it's all good and well for them to have been upset. But like, I was like, I don't need your, I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your pant, like kind of coddling. I, I just need your support and encouragement. The, the support group for me was so, it, every time I've ever gone to watch, um, I, I don't know, I came away feeling like a lot of hope. You know, there were there yeah. individuals, you know, because when you go to a support group, you'll, you'll see everyone in all stages of MS. And I, I got so much hope and comfort in, you know, the people who were in a similar boat as I was, who were kind of newly diagnosed with, you know, with kind of, you know, in the relapsing remitting kind of category. And then, you know, the individuals who are the primary progressive or secondary progressive who have had to completely shift their life because of, you know, the, the, the debilita- debilitating components of this disease and, and just that, you know, the, the folks in that group was so, um, I don't know. It's just, it's inspiring because I'm sure they have their bad days, but in the, in those moments that I shared with them in the group, they, I always found them very inspiring because of their outlook and they seem very positive no matter what. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Um, one of my favorite webisodes, it's one of the earlier ones. It's called, I think it's called movement and Subs- subsidence. Um, yep. And I just really liked that moment when you went to the yoga class and you kind of talked about how you were used to doing more high impact exercise and you didn't really think yoga was exercise, but this mm-hmm. experience really helped you look at exercise a different way. And it can do a mess with something that we really try and encourage people, just like you might not be able to do something the same way, but you can do it a different way. So exactly. what are yeah, what are some other big learning moments you had during this five-year campaign and this journey of living with MS, whether it's with learning to look at exercise, nutrition, or motivation a different way? I think it, I think it comes to, down to kind of how I like, have had to reevaluate, reevaluate things. Like, there's always this extra question added onto any, anything I do, whether it's a work-related issue or stuff with travel or exercise or doing, you know, an endurance event or whatever. It's like, okay, I want to do this. I, uh, here's why I think it's good, obviously. And then how, all right, is this going to affect my MS? And if it does, can I still accomplish it? And if so, how? So it's just kind mm-hmm. of a bunch of, you know, questions I always ask myself and in, in just the evaluation process, you know, I've been really fortunate to where, my treatment plan has worked wonders for me and I've been able to pretty much do everything I've ever wanted. You know, you know, I mean, physically 
I have very few limitations now. Um, and you know, I, I, I got back into doing a kind of high endurance exercise. And although I know that's not everyone, not everyone suffering with MS has the ability to do that. I just look at it like, well, I can right now. So I'm going to, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and I still, you know, do yoga like once a week and, I kind of mix it up because I, you know, I, I think a body in motion will stay in motion and stimulating the nervous system, you know, any way you can, can have great benefits for MS. Just my opinion. Um, so let's pretend that you're someone who's just been recently diagnosed with MS and like you've just stumbled across your, you don't know, Jack. What three webisodes do you wish you would have had access to at that moment of your diagnosis? Man, I think I, cause I'm a, you know, I love the kind of more sciencey, you know, nerdy kind of content. My favorite episode we've ever done was that, you know, when we went, when we did the cartoon webisode where we went inside someone living with MS. Um, mm -hmm. And that to me, just to see what MS does to the body would have been a huge benefit to me. Cause, you know, I read all this stuff and I'm like, but I don't understand what like a myelin sheath is and I don't know what any of this means. Um, that, that webisode, I think, um, the history about MS, which is, uh, I think we released that earlier this year. It's like episode 17, I think, 18. Um, and then what else, man, probably, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the movement, movement and sustenance because, you know, exercise is such an important thing to me. That was like one of my first questions I even asked the doctor, like, can I still, can I still do that? In that episode, you also talk a lot about eating right. You even took your friend to a health food store. How did diet change after your diagnosis? You know, I've always, I've always had struggles with diet. You know, my weight kind of yo-yos. And so I think in the last kind of 18 months, I've really been on a good kind of uptick with it. And for me, it's like I just had to figure out what foods made me feel good and what doesn't. It, you know, I try and mm -hmm. stay away from... I try and stay away from bread mainly and dairy. Um, mm -hmm. That Those are kind of the two things I've really limited. And I kind of been doing this thing now where I'm doing that like nighttime, you know, the fasting. So I often, you know, I won't eat until like one o'clock in the, you know, in the day. I probably drink way too much coffee though, but I mm -hmm. like that stuff. It makes me happy. What about your latest episode? Yeah. The, the 19th one that just came out is our, is our latest one. And that's the mm -hmm. the history, you know, well, sorry, it's the kind of reflective, like looking back on the last five years of running the campaign with the team. And it's been kind of funny, too, because like, you know, they I've worked with that group of people that I've worked, you know, on, on the campaign since my diagnosis and before. And I remember like coming into the office after being diagnosed and then just being like, what is it? Like, what is it that's wrong with you? We don't get it. And um because even though, you know, going back to the kind of what you're asking about the stigma, you know, even though that there's everyone's heard of MS, no one really knows by and large. Like, if you go to Joe Smo on the street and you go, what does MS do to someone? They, can, they just look at you like, I don't know. So that there was, yeah. so it's been an interesting process that, you know, they're all basically experts in the disease of MS now over the last five years. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, um, I think for my working relationship with them, it, it helps so much, you know, to be in that position. Mm -hmm. 
Why is this campaign so important to you? I think for me it's important because I'm, I'm doing a, a campaign that for me I feel like I could have utilized at a time when I needed it the most. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I like to think, well, if I could have needed it and I'm, you know, doesn't matter what my job is, you know, if I was, you know, a carpenter who lived in Kentucky, like, I feel like I still would have needed the same kind of speaking to like I do. Like, and so for me, I wanted, I wanted to make a campaign that I, I could have, you know, utilized and, and really benefited from. What can your viewers look forward to in the next few episodes of You Don't Know Jack About MS? Well, we're actually we're getting back to the, the drawing board to see what 2019 is going to look like as far as content. Um, we actually just came up with a really good webisode today. Um, I, have a, I have a really bad tendency of being a bit of a, a, a head in the sand when it comes to like going to my doctor's appointments. And I'm just, you know, if I'm, I'm the classic case of I feel good. I don't need to see my neurologist. I'm fine. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I haven't had an MRI in a few years, so I think we're going to do a webisode basically about, um, you know, don't stick your head in the sand and make sure you go to your doctor every six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jack. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your personal experiences and all your stories of living with MS. Where can people find the You Don't Know Jack About MS webisodes? Uh, you can go to you don't know Jack about ms.com. And uh, that's where everything lives. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our other in-person and online programs at cando-ms.org. CanDoMS delivers health and wellness education programs that help families living with MS thrive. Thanks so much for tuning in. 